0: Hey, so glad you're here because I have another ignited entrepreneur on the show today to share what they did to ignite their business and their life. This is Jess Coulthard, your host. And as always, you're invited to listen in to another conversation about business, entrepreneurship, and why following your passion is the best way to ignite your life. Welcome to another episode of Ignited Entrepreneurs. Today I have with me Simba Nazika. He's a body language and mindset coach, but also CEO and founder of Lenica Research Group, which is something that we're going to get into because he's got some exciting news to share. Simba, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Jessica.
0: I am very excited to have you because... I've gotten to know you over the last nine months now, I guess, through a community that we both belong to, and it's just been an absolute pleasure to just watch where you have taken your coaching and your company, and so I was really honored that you were willing to come on my show so that I can share your story and what you're doing with the world. So,
1: I'm happy to be here as well.
0: So with that, could you please tell everybody who? who you are, and what you do.
1: Yeah, my name is uh, Simba. I came to Canada in 2005 and uh, studied psychology as well as neuroscience at the University of Alberta. Uh, Since my graduation, I've spent uh, about seven years as a behavior consultant for kids with autism and other neurodevelopmental disorders. Uh, I've I started doing uh, body language and mindset consulting in 2017, as well as started clinical research group uh, around the same year. So the things that I do is really focusing on supporting uh, people's mindset, and I use various tools to be able to achieve that outcome.
0: So let's back it up a little bit. You said you came to Canada in 2015. What brought you to Canada?
1: Uh, Well, my family left Zimbabwe uh, due to like political instability. And because we were kind of uh, involved in the politics, they felt that coming to Canada would have offered uh, much better opportunities for me and my brothers, which of course it did. And so it was just our parents saying that we're going to go to Canada. And we didn't know what Canada was or where it was, but when we arrived, we are definitely happy to be here.
0: So let's talk more about I know body language is a really big area f- for you. And it's something that I also like to study, but s- differently. So I would love to hear more about the work that you do with people uh, regarding body language and mindset.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I did start studying body language when I was still in high school. And it was partially because I realized that I was a little bit uh, culturally awkward. And there were certain body language uh, gestures that I was doing uh, back in Zimbabwe that didn't quite translate well when I came to Canada. And so I started reading a lot of books, taking a lot of courses on body language. And then I realized that a lot of the material out there focuses on specific behaviors and how your gestures, the facial expressions, how you're moving in space, I've had very few coaches out there actually talk about the mindset that is causing the body language that we see, which is where I tend to focus most of my attention.
0: Yeah, I saw a quote. Um, I think it's not, I think it might be on your LinkedIn where it says body language is a reflection of what is going on internally. And I mean, I think I get that, but I don't think I'd ever really thought about it that way. So can you share more about what that means to you and kind of just explain for people sort of, you know, how that can affect how they are showing up in the world, that they can't really mask what they're feeling, really, is what it comes down to, I guess, right?
1: Yeah. And I think with a lot of the body language cues, a person might say that I want to be confident in this situation. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Tell me how I should stand, how I should talk, how much eye contact I should be able to make. But what a lot of people don't realize is that the difficulty they have in being able to convey those gestures is due to some form of either self-limiting belief mental barrier that makes them not comfortable in that situation. So on one end, of course, the fake it till you make it works. However, it is incomplete if you really want to address some of the things that might be preventing you from showing up the way you want. And so if it's a matter of like, I want to be confident, uh, a big component of it is let's figure out what's stopping you from being confident and address that so that you naturally become a more confident individual and convey that body language when you're in that interaction.
0: Yeah, because I would think that our unconscious mind is pretty smart. And, you know, even if somebody is intentionally trying to force confidence, I would maybe consciously the person standing in front of you might be convinced, but I know that the unconscious mind is not. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. And even though the person who's trying to act in a specific way, they may be doing what looks right. However, there's always going to be micro expressions or subtle expressions that are going to slip up that even on a subconscious level, the person that is seeing that person who's trying to fake their body language or trying to act confident, they'll be able to pick up on on those incongruencies and realize that I'm not sure what's going on here, but I feel like there's something off with this person and they may not be able to put a finger on it. But what the subconscious mind is picking up is some of those um subtle incongruence in their body language.
0: Right. So the whole fake it till you make it thing isn't really a good tactic when it comes to like honestly and genuinely trying to connect with people.
1: It's a good tactic if you've got a short amount of time. So in the short term, if I have to give a presentation like next week and I'm completely petrified about that presentation, if I have to do an interview, then the fake it till you make it will be a good short term strategy. However, if you're looking for something a little bit more long term, so let's say if you're looking to date or you give presentations, then you want to take a little bit more of a comprehensive approach as opposed to just using the fake it till you make it as a tool.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up dating because I know that this is one of the areas that you do. I don't know, was it intentional to go into helping people with their dating life using body language or is it just something that's kind of happened for you?
1: I think when it comes to like, especially in the dating arena, there's a lot of information that is shared and picked up by different individuals, especially at the initial stages of uh, the dating experience. And so being able to read those cues and really make sure that we are sending out the right signals at the right time is a very big component in being successful with dating so as I was teaching body language I'll teach it in different themes I guess you can say and so it might be like we're doing body language in dating and attraction we're doing body language in public speaking we're doing body language in uh, socializing the components most of them tend to be the same but dating seems to be the one that is most uh, popular
0: Yeah, I I can imagine because I think it's one of the ones that's most confusing for both sides of the the dating scenario is not being able to really fully understand. So um, I think, you know, if you can kind of start to understand by looking at the way somebody's moving and recognizing those subtle, like you say, micro expressions and things, it might give you a little bit of an insight into what's really going on in that situation. I know for me, single girl, I'm thinking that that would probably be super beneficial to have a better understanding of.
1: Absolutely. And there are also other elements associated with it, right? Because if we go into like a dating scenario for example sometimes if you see someone you find super attractive then we may not necessarily read those cues as accurately because we have got maybe intentions to want it to work out really well so in one of the courses one of the principles we talk about in the lie detection course is make sure you are uh, you're analyzing and not speculating because when emotions get involved when we find someone attractive we tend to maybe miss the signals we don't want to see and focus on the signals that we do want to be able to see that, uh, that confirm the outcome that we want to be able to get. And I think a lot of people to some capacity do experience that, especially when they like someone.
0: Yeah. I refer to that as love goggles.
1: <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> <Yeah, that's exactly laughs> like I got my love
0: goggles on and I'm not picking up all the stuff that I would normally pick up, right? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And that's why sometimes when you've got like a person, a friend or someone who is like a little bit more neutral, they'll be like, I don't know about this person. And of course, anyone with love goggles will be like, well, no, you just don't know them well enough. (laughs) right?" So sometimes when people are not as invested, they tend to actually be able to see the body language, uh, those body language signals more accurately than when we are invested.
0: Yeah, I keep joking, saying that I need a team. I need, I need my team to vet people before I can take it to any, you know, uh, serious steps. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're working with people, is, is that part of what you're doing? Like, are you helping to create awarenesses so that they can start to see these things or like, how, do, like, what do you do? How do you work with your clients and what value are they getting from working with you?
1: So the majority of work is done through meetup where I do about bi-monthly sessions, uh, which are free to anyone who wants to be able to join. And then we cover a specific topic around those. And so a lot of the components that we will be talking about is not only what to do, what not to do, but also what might be the mental barriers associated with being able to achieve that outcome that you want to be able to to get. And if it's on a one-on-one basis, It's really identifying what each individual's uh, barriers are, why those barriers are there, and mapping up a way for them to be able to get the outcome that they want. Sometimes a lot of people might come and say that... um, I'm not able to find, let's say, my ideal partner or go into a relationship because I lack confidence. So sometimes what I might do with them is go through a mindset assessment and then it turns out that they're actually confident but they might be lacking in terms of their own self-love and their own self-worth. And so... They're trying to fix something that they think is the problem, but it's actually something else. So being able to identify that increases their awareness so that when they do take the steps to change their life, they're able to do that and do that effectively.
0: Okay. So it's more about working on yourself and recognizing what might be holding you back from showing up in the world the way that you want to versus necessarily trying to read other people.
1: That Working on yourself and improving yourself is the beginning point. And I think a lot of the times, especially with body language and with communication, a lot of us maybe overemphasize having the external world change. And so my, like my own personal uh, allocation is that 80% is working on yourself and then 20% is the focusing on the external world. And then that way, if there's something that keeps coming up, then by identifying those patterns, like, okay, I've had these experiences like, for the last five years then that pattern tells the individual information because they tend to be the only consistent individual in those situations. And so we use that as information to draw up again that roadmap to be like, okay, this has been happened. What is the outcome that you want? And then create a plan to be able to achieve that.
0: Right. Who's the common denominator, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who's the common denominator? Yeah. And sometimes it's me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man it's like what i thought it was their fault why is it my fault always <laughs> <laughs> like i'm joking will... i'm joking of course i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> so how did you ever how did you get into being so interested in body language now you said that you um i guess it started in school for you when you came to canada and you started to maybe recognize that some of the um the ways that people greet each other and whatnot was different here in Canada versus growing up in Zimbabwe, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, it was just a matter of really, like, observing people, because when I came to Canada, my initial uh, thought was that uh, people are friendly to people that, I don't know, look a specific way, right? Like, look, Canadian uh, and then they won 't speak to me because I 'm from Zimbabwe, however, I saw that there were certain people from other parts of Africa that were very extroverted and were able to connect with people really, really well and My question was, okay, so if they kind of came from where I came from and then they're still new to Canada, how come they're able to connect with people on a, in such a short amount of time? Uh, and the realization that it's not necessarily the words that they're saying, but how they're coming across, how they're making other people feel, how they're able to uh, to interact with different uh, people, and of course, when I got into this, I was 15 years old, so of course, it wasn't like I wanted to do any public speaking. I needed to get a girlfriend, so it was more out of desperation than anything, and I was very motivated <laughs> at that age.
0: Yeah. No, I totally get that. (laughs) Um, So I'm curious though. So um, like you, it's one of the things that you said just now is about how you make people feel. So that's one of the things that I love about what you do is that it really is about learning how to be intentional and connect with people. And when you can learn about yourself and then show up in a way that allows you to connect with other people and make them feel a certain way in your presence. I mean, that can be for dating. That can be for um, even family members that can be at work that can be in business for working with clients. Like that is just so powerful. Like it's like a magic wand. I think when you can actually grasp the power of this, do you agree? Like it's, it's like having a superpower.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is that it's not, there isn't really a lot of things that you need to do to make people feel valued. I know when people meet someone or they're going to situations that they want to impress someone, they always think about, oh, how am I going to come across? What am I going to say? But we already know that there's a few basic things that make people feel valued. So uh, people love to talk about themselves. People tend to like hearing their own name. Uh, people uh, like to really feel listened to so even those basic principles going into a conversation and keeping the spotlight on that person and being genuinely interested in that person will allow that person to feel heard and feel connected towards you and one of the books that really kind of changed and framed the way i see and i interact with people is how to win uh, friends and influence people because that book talks about human relationship and how to really develop a pleasing personality and an authentic pleasing personality that a lot of people when they end up interacting with you will just enjoy your company and you're not necessarily trying to impress them
0: no that's awesome i love that i love when my guests come on and they drop books because then it just gives people that much more that they can go and, and dive into a subject Um, so one of the other things I wanted to share is, so you do these, these meetup groups where you work with people, but you've also now taken it and leveled it up and you're working with groups of your own through thought leaders, correct? Yes. Can you share more about what that is?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. With thought leaders, basically a lot of the stuff in the body language was geared towards communication. And so with thought leaders, we take a more broader approach in terms of what it is you want to be able to achieve in your life. So if there's a career you want to be able to get, if there's a, a health goal that you have, if there's a lifestyle that you want to be able to live, uh, to, to experience, basically we take the similar mindset principles and then we frame them and present them in a way that will allow people to be able to achieve those outcomes. And the reason why it's called Thought Leaders is because it first starts with our thoughts and our emotions, and then we have to really work and address and kind of create the internal environment so that we can change that environment so that it can impact the environment that we want to be able to experience in the future and so it's still similar mindset principles that we're talking about however we're looking at them on a much broader scale and is more tailored to what the person wants to be able to achieve in their life
0: so very personalized like you when somebody comes into the program the first thing is to figure out what it is that they actually
1: want absolutely because at the end of the day it's like a lot of the stuff, like well, a lot of the tools that we talk about or we cover tend to be very similar, but people tend to have different goals and different things that they want to be able to achieve. So, like you're right, the first thing that we need to figure out is what are the outcomes, what is the experiences, what are, um, how do they want their life to look? And then we really hammer down on creating a clear mental picture of what that looks like. And then a lot of people be like, well, um, I want this in my life. But in thought leaders we go very specific to be like when you're actually creating that goal there's a way you need to be able to phrase it in a way that will actually allow you to be able to achieve it there are different ways in which you can have that goal and being able to choose which way um, you are going to write it and then of course there's a big component of being able to achieve the goal and that is how much belief you have in your ability to achieve that goal. And then if a person is like, I really want this, but I don't believe I can get it, then we need to be able to work through that in terms of why is your belief system so low? And how can you create a plan to be able to either increase your belief system or adapt the goal in a way that will allow you to believe enough to achieve maybe an intermediary goal and then achieve the main goal that you want. Mm,
0: yes, absolutely. Absolutely. you know and and I'm, I'm I'm feeling like this everything that you do, it flows really nicely like into the other, right like working with the body language and mindset, and then now working ind- individually with people through your thought leaders program and how again it goes back to like what does you want, but it's the thoughts and the language and what are you saying and what are you believing that you know is really the key to unlocking that to then now. But with your Lenica research group, again, even though the work you do is with like athletes and that type of thing, it still focuses on the mind.
1: Yes. And it's all awareness. Like the whole biggest thing is become aware of who you are as a person, where you are, and then where do you want to go, and then creating the tools that allow you to get the, whatever that goal is. And with the Lenica Research Group, our platform, is more of a software-based solution to raise people's awareness around their own physical and mental health, and then be able to make those changes based on that information to achieve the outcomes that they want. So all of them are the same, just different tools to be able to get to the outcomes that each unique uh, individual needs to get to.
0: So can you share more about what it is that you're doing with the Lenica Research Group as well?
1: With Lenica, our main vision is we want to transform global mental health impairments. Right now, uh, the state of global mental health continues to uh, to be decreasing. And I think a few years ago, the World Health Organization said, I think one in three people will either have or be diagnosed with some form of mental health condition in their life. And so the genesis of Lenica is really to change the trajectory of the way mental health uh, is going globally, of course, initially in Canada, but will be expanding globally. And the way we are planning on doing it is really focusing on a pro- proactive preventative model for individuals. So we know the risk factors associated with, let's say a stroke or dementia, we're able to measure those, uh, uh, those risk factors. And then if those risk factors for a person end up increasing year after year, They can use that information to make personalized changes in their lifestyle to start reducing those risk factors. So a big component of it is really preventing people from getting stroke, preventing people from getting dementia or another mental health condition. And... The other side of uh, Lenica is really to see how much we can push our mental skills um, to what limit they can end up uh, being achieved. And this is the work we do with our athletes in which we are really trying to make them the best versions of themselves. And right now in the sports industry, we know that the final frontier in which we are able to separate elite athletes from their peers is all in the mind, it's all becomes a mental game at that level. And so we're really working with them to help them achieve that final edge so that they can be the absolute best.
0: So how does it work? It's software. It's an app. Like I don't really know that much about it. Can you kind of just like dumb it down for me a little bit so I can understand what it is that, because it's like when you talk about being able to see signs of, of say stroke or dementia, but I mean, you're not doing blood tests and, and those kind of things. This is all, like very new technology that you guys are, have created.
1: Yeah. So we don't do any of the more, I guess, our uh, biomedical components. What it is is we've got a virtual reality based assessment and a training app in which a person, either with a mobile device or with a standalone virtual reality device, they're able to complete uh, various assessments over a period of time, and then use those assessments to create benchmarks in terms of how their cognitive performance is changing. They're also able to do specific training in which if they go into the training and they're getting all the uh, levels correctly, the program gets progressively more difficult until it reaches their plateau or their um, normal like level of functioning. And then, of course, over time, they're able to go back and do the training. And then those changes in their mental performance is what we use to show that there's been a change in the, uh, in the cognitive function. The other component of it is we've partnered up with a company here in Edmonton that does advanced biometric monitoring. And so They've got a watch that allows us to be able to track a person's sleep, stress level, blood pressure, skin temperature, oxygen saturation, breathing rate, and all these other components that we take those, that information, combine it with the mental information we're collecting from the VR app, and then provide them with a 360 view of how they are doing. And these views provided on a daily basis. So people are able to see those changes in their overall health really quickly and make those changes very quickly, if they need to be making any lifestyle changes.
0: Amazing. I love it. Like it's, it's all so preventative, which I think is so amazing. Um, So now let's just say somebody did go through your assessment and they did see maybe a sign that maybe dementia or something is starting to maybe creep in. Is there anything that your technology can do to continue to work with the mind to strengthen it? Or is it more just an awareness tool?
1: So we are partnered up with various uh, professionals. So sports psychologists, uh, rehabilitation nurses, occupational therapists that are also starting to go on board that are working with patients that have requested that they implement our system as part of the rehabilitation uh, tools. So what we are creating is actually an ecosystem that will allow patients that are using the system, if they notice that their changes are going on within their mental skills, they can reach out to a professional, a healthcare professional, so that they can make those changes. Our tool is just to provide information and gain that awareness. And once we have that, then we kind of uh, direct the patient or the individual to a healthcare professional who's kind of an expert in that area.
0: Amazing. So how did you get involved in, you know, this area of study? What was it that, like, how did you, yeah, I'm just, what was the journey to this? I'm just, I love to hear how, um, you know, people pivot in their business and and find their passion. So what brought you here?
1: Uh, The first uh, event that uh, started me on this journey to really target uh, mental health was when I went back to Zimbabwe and I, went to see my grandma who had not seen for I think it was about seven or eight years and then she was not able to remember me uh, when we got there and like I was still like uh, pretty young I didn't even study my psychology uh, yet so I didn't kind of understand what was going on Um, and then of course right before we left then she was able to remember like oh yes I remember you like you're the one living in America I'm like close enough Um, but she had uh, dementia right and a lot of people that have experienced someone with some form of uh, memory loss or dementia knows that the person is there, but the person is also like that, there's still that loss. So that was the first genesis. I'm like, wow, this is a crappy uh, condition to have, and we should be able to do something uh, more to be able to prevent it. The second event that took place is I published a research article in 2016, and I was super excited about it. But once I published it, there was nothing that was done beyond that research article. So there's no change in policy, there's no uh, creation of a new program to, to facilitate the findings that i had found. And so I realized that there's also a gap between the amazing research that's, that is being done by all the uh, research and universities in Canada and being able to take that research to create a applicable product. That a lot of the population will be able to benefit from so those two events were the genesis of creating learning so creating a tool that is able to prevent such mental conditions as such as dementia and then having a framing that allows us to partner up with different uh, universities with different researchers so that we can take all the great studies that they' have done and then build a software that they can integrate to so that the end user the the population, the individual that will benefit from this will be able to use the program, use the research, and then get the outcomes that they want.
0: Wonderful. You know, I that's why I like asking this question, because there, there usually is a personal reason. And I like to, you know, just sort of for people listening, you know, I think it's important to recognize that is that there's usually something in your own world that has Brought you where you, you know, the path that you're on, or it'll help you find the path that you're supposed to be on, if you actually stop to think about, you know, some of the things that are going on in your life or with your family or people that you know. So that's one of the reasons that I, I love asking those questions is, you know, just helping other people listening to maybe find that passion and that opportunity for them that they may not have thought about pursuing. So thank you for for sharing that with me. I appreciate it. So now I also I noticed um back in the beginning of August that you actually were um finally mentioned in the news for this. So it's becoming more um there's more awareness out there for you right now. So how did that happen? How did you um bring us to to the news to be more um put out there for people?
1: Um I think in terms of like the news releases a lot of the stuff has just been announcing the progress that we've been making. So last year, we did announce the first version of our software, Pika Cognition. And then we made an announcement to say that uh, we've made progress. Uh, is ready for commercialization and uh, then CTV ended up reaching out saying would like to make a story about your company about you about your team uh, and then they ended up uh, do, really doing an amazing story that uh, uh, we were like ever. And the team was really happy with so it's just like right now with any of the progress that we are making we are always happy to share what we have created and the benefit that it can have for the population and for different individuals and I think where we are now, uh, people are just kind of starting to notice, which is something that uh, we are also happy about.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I've actually found that link. So I'm going to put it in the show notes so that if anybody wants to learn more about what you and your team are doing, um, then that's available for them as well. So. Perfect. All right. So if, if somebody wanted to take part in your meetups, are, are they Zoom or are they in person?
1: Everything right now is on Zoom, partially because I am like can't be in two cities at the same time. Uh, So for the most part, they'll be on Zoom. But when things do end up opening up, then we are going to have some in-person meetups, which will have the benefits of really practicing some of those theoretical skills that we are kind of talking about. So there will be both, but at this point, it's all on Zoom. And it's right now on meetup.com. I believe if you just type in body language training, Uh, two of them will show up and I manage, uh, organize both of those.
0: Wonderful. Okay. I will try to, I will find those and I'll put that link in there as well. In fact, I might even join one of those because I could probably use that as well. So uh, perfect. And what if somebody wanted to learn more about um, the peak cognition other than the link that I'm going to share, do you have a website set up for that yet? Or where can people find more information about that if they'd like to know?
1: Uh, If they're interested in learning about peak uh, cognition, they can go to the Lenica Research Group website, which is www.lenica.ca. And then all the information on peak cognition, the research, um, the news articles, everything is all on there. Perfect. Wonderful.
0: And what if they were interested in your thought leaders program?
1: Uh, find me on LinkedIn and send me a message. I don't have your website. for that.
0: <laughs> No problem. I like it. I'm, I'm a low tech when it comes to that kind of thing, too. So I finally finally I found somebody else that doesn't have a, you know, full on lead page set up for it. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. ah, I love it. OK, 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 Simba, before I let you go, I have to ask all my guests if you could give somebody one piece of advice to take their business to the next level. What would you
1: suggest? If you've clearly established why you're in the business you're doing, keep doing it and going for it until you succeed. And I think with the why, just realize that the methodology to to get you there might change and you might learn certain things along the ways. But if your why is strong enough, then the how you'll end up figuring it out and it'll be an adventure a creative and adventurous adventure so keep at it until you until you succeed
0: i love that you're calling it an adventure because you know you and i both know that entrepreneurship is you know an up and down battle sometimes and so i think reframing it and calling it an adventure can you know just help get through some of those down moments so thank you for sharing that Well, Simba, it was great to have you on the show. Uh, I love the fact that I get to, well, I get to see you every Thursday night in our meeting and I get to learn more about you, but I really appreciate you coming on tonight and sharing uh, more of the amazing work that you're doing uh, for people out there. And I'm just really, uh, I'm rooting you on. And if there's anything that I can do to help uh, uh, to get your technology out there, uh, please ask me. Uh, Anytime you have a new announcement or anything you'd like to come back on and share that here, I'd love to be able to offer my platform because, you know, I've had um, my great, my grandfather, great grandfather uh, had dementia and I have a few friends whose parents are getting older now and struggling and it bothers them and it concerns them for themselves. And so I love the fact that you're creating technology that can, you know, potentially, um, help somebody to recognize it early on and then be able to find treatment or um, any type of therapy that might, might be able to help them, uh, if not completely halt it, at least prolong the effects of it from really grabbing hold. So uh, again, really happy to have you on, on the show. I really appreciate it. And if there's ever anything that I can do to help you promote it, I am I'm here for you. So thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. This was super fun. I'll definitely be trying to come back, fun.